1: You are listening to the Mr. and Mrs. Podcast with your hosts, Mr. Max and Mrs. Lacey.
2: Well, it's been two weeks. So here we are. Guess what fucking thing is awesome today? What? Today is episode fucking 30. We're the dirty 30 finally.
1: We're in the dirty 30.
2: Look at us. Look at us, like all grown up and shit. Mm -hmm. Now we can go uh, be considered almost middle-aged. I don't know. Not middle-aged. No, I don't even know what the hell so. I'm talking about here. No, so. you know. I mean, we're starting to get time hops. Let's say like Mr. and Mrs. Podcast. Mm-hmm. Been together for about a little over a year now doing this.
1: Yeah, we've been at it.
2: Yeah, been at it. Not hitting hard. I mean, it could have been a lot more.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, we used to do this weekly. Yeah. Now we just do it bi-weekly or semi-weekly, semi-monthly. I don't know. Every two weeks. I guess that's the right term to say.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think bi-weekly is a weird term because it can be used to describe something that happens twice a week. Right? And yeah, something and I, that happens every two weeks. And
2: I think semi-monthly means twice a month.
1: I think semi-monthly just means multiple times in a month.
2: Semi? No, semi means half. No. Like when I say I have a semi-chub, it's a half of a chub. <laughs> Not a full chub. A semi-chub. Okay, putting this rest.
1: Oh, God.
2: Semi meaning, well, a tractor trailer. <laughs> half. There you go, half. That's what it means. Or Partly. Partly. So half is like semicircular, half half of it.
1: Could also mean partly, Yeah. which is exactly what I was saying. In
2: some degree or particular, semi-conscious uh-huh. or semi-darkness.
1: So we're both right?
2: We're both right. We'll just agree to disagree. Sounds good. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to our beautiful voices, you are listening to the Mr. and Mrs. Podcast. I'm Mr. Max.
1: I'm Mrs. Lacey.
2: Well, the premise of our show is uh, simple. I bring a topic and you bring a topic. Mm-hmm. And then we discuss the learning corner at the end. That's true. Dirty Thirty though, not awesome. Yeah, the Dirty Thirty. I think we're gonna name the episode that the Dirty Thirty. Perfect. I think it's simple enough. We saw um. A few w- things. A movie last night. Yeah, we saw a movie last night. Um, what was the name of it again? What was the name of that movie? I feel like one of the people in the movie. Honestly, right now, <laughs> this is totally like on purpose. Um, Idiocracy.
1: Idiocracy. Yes.
2: Did you remember? No. You didn't you didn't remember.
1: Okay. Like something that starts with an
2: I. <laughs> Idiocracy. It's a film by Mike Judge. It came out about uh ten years ago. Uh started uh it, it, it was a launching pr- platform for uh, Mr. Terry Crews, which is uh, was his second movie. His first movie was White Chicks. Right. Who's the chick in S N L that was in it? Uh, Maya Rudolph. That's Maya that. Rudolph. Yeah. And then Mike Judge. Um also has uh, Luke Wilson in it and uh yeah it's, it's a really cool it's like a what if scenario say uh it
1: I think most people know what Idiocracy no is, that's
2: right? the thing it's a cult movie it's not a big movie i didn't know what it was prior to it, it ha- the alamo draft house announcing it um i knew of it um i knew i have references due to it i mean like mm-hmm. i've had friends like tell me about you know the camacho president and everything like that and how how crazy it is but the funny thing is that it, now it's kind of drawing a parallel that we're headed towards this direction of idiocracy um so pretty much what happens in this movie it's a uh, guy who works in the military and a woman who is uh, played by Maya rudolph who's a uh, a prostitute and they're both selected for this government experiment to go under deep freeze for a year and uh, just to test it out and so they can send their best and brightest you know into the future whenever they need them and what ends up happening is uh, everything goes wrong and they are frozen for about 550 years about i don't know not specifically um, but what hap- it happens is that the whole world turns dumb Now I'm dumber than doorknobs. So I pretty much like, a, you know how people are saying like Donald Trump has a seventh grade, uh, vocabulary. It's pretty much the whole world. It's like that. It's a whole bunch of Donald Trump's stupid, idiotic people that wear Crocs with socks and advertisements and watch uh, ball punching TV shows and shit like that. So right. it's worth your time. If you have, a, if you have, a, if you have a chance to Netflix it, I don't think it's available on Netflix, but I mean like, you know, rent the DVD or something like that. Watch it.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting because it talks about the reason like you're supposed to, everything advances, but um, we reached a point where smart people don't necessarily procreate as much as not so smart, not so smart people. So then the world is being taken over by the not so smart people and their millions of children while the smart people are. Sitting around.
2: Making their one kid if they have it. Trying
1: to decide whether they really want kids or not. So obviously this leads to what it leads to. So it's a really funny movie. I enjoyed it for yeah.
2: sure. Uh, we did something cool on Monday as well. Um, we met uh, Mr. Alton Brown. Yeah. That was pretty cool. He did a book signing here at the Blue Willow Books here in Houston, Texas. So we uh, went over to uh, go meet and greet him. Yeah. Have him sign our books, take a picture with him. It was pretty sweet.
1: It was awesome. Yeah.
2: It's one of our uh, favorite personalities on uh, at the Food Network. And, you know, he's really funny. Really intelligent. Um, very, very knowledgeable man. And he's just... He's, he's an all-around entertainer, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on Saturday, we saw Miss Peregrine's House for Misguided Children or something like that. I don't know the full... Well, Peculiar, Peculiar children. children. Peculiars. Yeah. That was worth our time? Yeah, that was good.
1: It was dark. I was a little worried it was going to be like Harry Potterish, like kind of...
2: Because it's, it's based off a young adult novel, right? I have no idea. I would, I would assume so. It was good. Yeah, it was really entertaining. Um, also... I think that's it. That' what we've done recently. Adopted a new dog. Foster. Our foster. Yeah, not adopted. Foster a new dog. She's not ours. She is definitely not ours. Her name is Scally. She has a skin condition. Looks like a uh, reminiscent of Freddy Krueger after <laughs> gets trapped in the boiler. Max calls her Freddy Krueger face, and she does look like Freddy Krueger a little bit. She's adorable though. she means she has a skin skin condition like a mange, I think, or something like that, right? She used to have
1: mange, and so. She's all recovered. of her hair fell out and she was very... Her skin was irritated and flaky. And now she's got a nice, healthy layer of fuzz and she's working her way back to... Not to so freddy goodness. Yeah.
2: So, now we're all caught up with the week or two weeks, I would say.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, Mrs. Lacey, you're up this week.
1: Yeah, I'm up. And I wanted to talk about your um, Facebook feed. My Facebook feed? Everybody's Facebook feed. No, what about it? So, your Facebook feed... How do you think
2: it comes to you
1: when you're scrolling through your Facebook? How, how many times do you think you log on to Facebook a day and scroll through your feed?
2: Well, I log in once, but I check it like I'd say 30, 40 times a day.
1: 30, 40 times a day?
2: Yeah. At, at, at the very least, I would say.
1: Have you ever thought, I wonder why they're
2: showing me this? Once in a great while? I mean, I've been on Facebook for a long time—not since the beginning, because I think it launched like in two thousand four or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I was a pretty early adopter on it when it became uh, more less about school orientation than more on the public side. Um, so I think my 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 feed is mostly honed in on who I am. Yeah. But yes, once in a while, I get this weird thing about like why I'm interested in gay cruises or something like that. <laughs> I'm just like, no, okay, thanks. <laughs> Or, like, want to buy, like do the Netflix DVD program or something stupid like that. You know?
1: Right. It's actually, um, you know, I just kind of assumed that it takes my friend's most recent posts. That's how it used to be. Yes. You know, my friend's most recent posts. And then now it's, like, I think it does, I don't know, like, my friend's posts that have the most likes. Like, I don't really know what it how it figures it out, right? Yeah.
2: It's, like... Um, the the key word that I know about Facebook is algorithms. Just like with Google, when it, it comes to search results, it's all based on some type of stupid algorithm that some type of math that's involved with this.
1: Exactly. Yep. And that's exactly what I want to talk to you about the Facebook algorithm. Okay. So okay. we're
2: not talking about the Google algorithm, cause that's I'm just joking with you. I'm just joking.
1: Oh, no, we're talking about the Facebook algorithm, and how we decide, how Facebook decides what is going to show up in your Facebook feed. I know it seems kind of boring, um, but it was. It's actually really. I think it's super interesting. Okay. So please tell me more. <laughs> like any algorithm, basically, it, it figure it's a computer program. Mm-hmm. So it needs to. It relies on people to input code that basically says, "Okay." You know, as this article described it, if you had a set of numbers in your head, you know, uh, seven four three five two one nine right okay in your head you could kind of put those in order right one two three four five six seven eight nine or whatever true but a computer program doesn't really know that so what you have to tell a computer program to do is like take the first two numbers if they're in sequential order keep them where they are if they're not reverse them moved to the next two numbers if they're in sequential order reverse them and until you can move through the entire set of numbers without reversing any numbers. Right. So that's basically the kind of programming that needs to go into it.
2: Essentially like light switches. I mean, if if I mean, there's a program that when I first started getting into smartphones, it's uh, called if this, then that it's kind of, have you ever heard about that? It's like IFTTT or something like that. If this, then that IFTTT. Yeah. IFTTT. Um, And it's, it's, it operates like that. So if you are in this area, this will turn on. If you're in this area, this will turn off. If you're in this area, it will alert this person. It's just very simple, simple things that you can set up, and uh, most of them are location based. So I guess it would be like a, a type of way that algorithm works on uh, Facebook. I would guess, right?
1: Yeah, kind of. So. And so, but, like, so that's based. That's the very, very basic of it, right? And so yeah. then they are going to program features into it. To Facebook doesn't work off a simple algorithm. It works off what they call a prediction algorithm. Basically, they want to get the things in your feed that they think that you are, that is going to be the most valuable to you. Effective, I guess. Right. Right. So how do they figure that out? Okay. Each story, because between all the pages you like, all the friends you have, all the friends of friends that allow you to see their stuff. Okay and the advertisements that they need to put on there to pay the light bill
2: which is you'd be surprised
1: every face every facebook feed has the chance to have has thousands of posts
2: and variations right
1: and they know a person is only ever going to see the top 50 or 60 at most so they want to make sure that those top 50 or 60 Basically, the algorithm is going to assign a relevancy score to every story that could get into your feed. Okay. And they want, they have hundreds of factors for each story that
2: go into its relevancy score to see if it's going to be at the top of your feed. So it's like a water cooler moment type of scenario. Like if you, if this story is explosive enough and enough of your friends engaged with it, it'd probably be higher on your score possibly
1: yeah, that's definitely one thing and it's one of
2: your interests I guess too because it has to like hit a whole bunch of markers right yeah
1: it does so it has they it has hundreds of um, hundreds of variables that decide if a story may be
2: relevant to you or not Wow, um, that's, it just amazes me that somebody can just sit down and make variables for one particular news story that is a blip in time if you will
1: right so when Facebook first started this algorithm Basically, it wanted to see if a person would interact with a post or not, right? And so if a person interacted with the post or not, kind of decided if it was good or not, right? Yeah. So not yeah. whether they necessarily liked it or not, but if they clicked on it, if they read it. It's usually a good indication that something has struck a chord. And so the more people that do that, the more people um, the more people would see it.
2: Like an engagement factor, right? right.
1: But, the, but so this is what helped make posts viral, right? Mm-hmm. It would get more likes, it would get more comments, more people would read it and then people started constructing Facebook posts to get likes,
2: right? Yeah. It be like having engaging photos and trigger words, clickbait, stuff like that.
1: Right. And so this, you know, people were, Facebook was kind of at its prime. It was the hottest company in the world 2013. People were interacting with Facebook more and more and more. Mm-hmm. But as they were pulling Facebook people, people were liking Facebook less and less.
2: Big, so, big, big, uh, I don't know, get too big for britches, t- I would guess. Right?
1: It's because their feed was being filled with things that people were interacting I'm, with, but that wasn't useful to them. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, the thing with an algorithm is it just takes people's, it just takes the input from people and people aren't perfect. So, It resulted in this steady stream of bullshit, nauseating, bait-click stories, right? Okay. That multiple people had clicked on, but that wasn't of much value to anyone, right? Mm -hmm. And so they decided that they were going to flip the switch and spend a lot of time figuring out what stories people wanted to see in their feeds to try and make sure that Facebook satisfaction went up and not just post clicks were going up. Yeah.
2: So relevancy pretty much.
1: Exactly. So basically what Facebook had to do was figure out a way to figure out. (laughs) Allow
2: myself to introduce (laughs) myself.
1: Was figure out a way to figure out. I totally said it right, but it just sounds weird what people wanted to see in their feed, right? And they went back to their roots back in 2006 because in 2006, they were trying to figure out how can we register what people want to see? And that's where the like button came from. The like button did not come from people, Facebook wanting you to be able to show your friends that you like something. Facebook wanted to be able to employ its users to give it
2: data that it can use to see what sort of things... The readers are interested in reading. We're totally a like society now, though. I mean, you think about it. Everywhere you go, any website you go to, there's either an upvote or a like or a, like or a plus or a, or a thumbs up. Right. You know? And
1: so in Facebook's crude days, you know, 2006, that's 10 years ago. It's
2: hard to believe that there's a time in Facebook they didn't have the like button. Honestly, yeah. if you really think about it.
1: But they, they, at the time, their algorithm was super crude. It was just mm-hmm. based on, you know, in numbers. Your friend said this 20 minutes ago. Well, obviously... We want to know what you want to
2: see, yeah. so tell us what you want to see, and that's where the like button came from to employ its users. But to- it's a, it's a guys' though, I mean, people don't think of the like button as uh user research, I guess it would be right. It's like it's one of those things that, like, oh, look, a puppy video, right? I'm gonna like it, right? You know, it's not like a oh, look, I want to promote this, right? Thumbs up,
1: <laughs> yeah. But then the they realized that many people began to tailor their posts to get as many likes as possible. Of course. Because some people are like like Right. That. Social media, you know, consultants would Businesses. be employed by companies and they would share a post that says like this and it would be a feel good post. Say and, amen. Right. <laughs> and people
2: would be employed to like something yeah. even though they didn't really like it. And there were like uh, fake accounts that were set up to like this also because I think there was like like revenue as well. if like... If like, I keep saying like, um, if there was, God, the sources suck. If there, if there's an opportunity to, uh, bleep. <laughs> God damn it. Let's just say if businesses saw that there was an opportunity to be had. They probably would base their revenue on the amount of likes they were able to get. There we go.
1: Right.
2: Totally. Wow. That took me, that took me a moment. <laughs>
1: But what that meant was that our fee- our Facebook feeds all started to look kind of the same, right? It was all yeah. kind of like adorable puppies and uh, only promoting videos that were getting a ton of likes. Oh, because you're talking they about the flip all side, right? started looking alike. Okay. Right. And so Facebook realized at that point that people had gamed its algorithm. And so they worked to change it again. So the most uh, recent algorithm came about... After they Facebook employed actually employed 1,000 people until and they lived happened to live in Knoxville, Tennessee really Knoxville and they put them in a room
2: with no windows <laughs> no
1: windows and no doors and
2: one baseball bat
1: <laughs> and they called them fuzzies and there it was a it was a version a less tech a less techie version of a techie I guess okay, right. And basically, they wanted to get a human aspect to their algorithm. They wanted to have someone look through their Facebook feed and say, this is what I liked. This is what I didn't like. And so they asked them, we saw you read that story, but why didn't you hit like? We saw you clicked on that story, but you only spent 20 seconds on it. Yeah, we saw, and so they started realizing how people actually work.
2: You're like totally reading my Facebook thing. It's like, oh, look at article. I read it. Mm. (laughs) And so,
1: based on that, in 2013, they have their current algorithm that's always being worked on. But Mm -hmm. it it takes into effect. Okay, someone liked something. Did they like it before they clicked on it, or after they clicked on it? Oh wow! Did they click on it at all, and they liked it just
2: out of the tagline or whatever? That's right.
1: And then. that order of importance how long did you spend on the article did you spend 20 seconds on the article did you spend five minutes on the article and did you oh wait do you live in an area with slower internet speeds so the length that you spent on the article was actually you waiting for the page to load so it's taking all of this information people stories that people spend a lot of time on people stories that get likes after they're read instead of before they're read And it's taking all of that information after this test group showed them what people really that people will read things and spend time on things that are important to them and filtering that stuff towards the top. That's why our our feeds are more meaningful than they've ever been. And we're getting stories that are tailored to us is because they're not just basing it off of just thumbs ups anymore. It is so it is so it's crazy what it takes into effect. For sure. I, it it kind of does Into account. Yeah. New effect. Excuse me.
2: The funny thing about that is in the industry that I'm in, um, like support for like a car dealership, one of the main sources of revenue are leads. And if you're not familiar with what a lead is, it's just pretty much data, consumer data that's uh, either hot or cold. So hot means that it is uh, the customer initiated data. And then cold means it means it wasn't customer initiated. It was like a, some company that collects your data and gives it to somebody else pretty much. And I've seen leads that have click path data on them, like what you clicked, how long you were clicking on it, what cars you were looking at, what features you were interested in. Did you go and make your own car? What did you get in that in that car? It was just like, it's crazy on how we have, live in a society now that it's not the person that they want; it's the data that that person is trying to get. Yeah, totally. You know, and so, and how how Facebook evolved from a place that just posted feeds to something that posted that 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 curates feeds.
1: Right, you know that crafts them based on what they think you're going to enjoy the most, and not what they think, but what y- is proven
2: that you will enjoy the most yeah. based off your past activity because before like before two 2013, I think it was like yeah, 2013 2014 area, we used to have the option to do most recent and most popular, right, and so us as a user, and then after a while, they still had it there, but it never worked in right. other words they 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 control it now, right, and then all of a sudden they got rid of most recent. And just it's now just most popular. Right. You know, and so and obviously a lot of people can gripe and complain about this because they think it's theirs. And it is your your data is yours that you put on this site. But you have to remember it's not your site. Right. And you have to remember this. While we're talking about this, Facebook is not a social network. It's a marketing site. Exactly. It's a big advertisement.
1: Yeah, and that's how they are able to get so much money is because they know more about their users than anyone does. Try
2: to find a Facebook, uh, not a Facebook page, a website that doesn't have a button to Facebook on it. Right. Try to find one. Yeah, totally. I mean, you can share anywhere. I mean, it's almost as, I would say it's almost as enveloping as Pinterest, but I think Facebook has more clout than Pinterest.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> t- Definitely, yeah, right? Totally, totally. Um, I would say the last thing on this is one thing that the the algorithm people, first of all, the Facebook algorithm, how it actually works, is one of the most like toply
2: guarded secrets. It's the eleven herbs and spices. Yeah, and like Coke, nobody and Coke knows. Formula.
1: Right. Uh-huh. Um. But one thing they found out with employing these people is they can look at metrics all day long, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of the average. But everybody uses
2: Facebook differently, right? Of so what they were seeing is there were. You know, one thing I can't believe. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, while we're on this topic, is that there are 7 billion Facebook accounts out there. And there are about 7 billion people in this world right now.
1: Really? 7 billion Facebook 7 accounts?
2: 7 billion Facebook accounts.
1: That's crazy.
2: So in other words, there's a lot of people with multiple accounts, number one. Right, obviously. Because uh, kids, newborns, and the elderly do not have Facebooks. Right. And it's just, uh, it's oh man, it's so <laughs> crazy when you think about
1: it. Right. So, um, like I was saying, everybody uses Facebook differently. And when you just have an algorithm that says like or dislike and you're looking at broad numbers, it's easy to miss something. So one thing that Facebook got when they got this test group and now this they've disbanded this test group in Knoxville and they have people all over the world that constantly are telling them Like beta about their users, fee. I think now. Exactly. I think that's what they
2: are. I think I'm signed up for the beta program with them. So they, they probably read my data a little more.
1: So most of the time they understood that when people don't care about something in their newsfeed, they just scroll past it. Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But some posts irk people enough that they'll go up to the top right of their post and hit hide post. Right. Mm-hmm. So Facebook really takes notice when you do that, because that is what they call a, uh, a strong negative.
2: Cause you had to go out of your way to do it. Exactly. So
1: they're taking notice, right? Uh So then they started crunching the numbers and they realized that 5% of Facebook users were doing 85% of the hiding. What? Okay. So once they started crunching it and getting to talk to people, this was obviously skewing their averages, but they couldn't figure out what was going on. Like, were these people just super angry? Uh, Did they not know how to unfollow pages? Like, what was it? And they realized that a certain, they they now call them super hiders after getting (laughs) this this test group together. They realized that some people, mostly older generations, Mm -hmm. were hiding posts because they wanted it to work like their email system. So they were hiding posts. Like a spam? No, not like a spam. Like, I've read this. I've read this. I've read this. And so they're used to their email system where they click through and delete their emails or move it to other folders. That's just one tiny (laughs) example of the an ecosystem. And so that's what exactly exactly. what it is. Exactly. And everybody uses Facebook differently, and somehow this algorithm has to take into account everybody's everybody's metrics and then build a feed specifically for you, not for your neighbor. Not for someone that makes the same amount of money of you in a
2: different city, not someone that has a similar demographic as you who, specifically who drives for Alexis. you. Yeah. So, and that's true. I mean, it's gonna be rare that I'll find the same post on mine that I would see on your Facebook. Totally. I mean, even though we have like majority of the same friends and everything, it's, right. it's just not. It's just not gonna happen because a lot of your likes are not the same. Uh, I'm I'm gonna have to post something on this on our, on our Facebook though. I, there is a way, because like I mentioned, that Facebook's a marketing company. There is a way you can look at all your demographics that you fit in between. Oh really? Yeah. It's really it's really cool. And and you you find it kind of surprising on what they how they pigeonhole you in certain things. Like uh I think they had me as a uh very liberal. <laughs> yeah. They had me as very liberal and then gun lover. Which Really? Yeah. Which I, is the funny thing is that I was like, oh, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Cause I do like guns. I love guns. Yeah. I love guns. I don't like shooting people. I like shooting things. So I, you got, Mr. Max? I got the nothing right here, man. Oh, really? I'm just going to change it up just a real little bit. <laughs> I decided to change my voice. Yeah? Boy. Fing, 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 fing. Yardy. boy.
1: Yeah. That's... What was wrong with that? Um, That sounds like cultural appropriation. <laughs> yes.
2: I just did the uh, audio version of blackface. That's exactly what I just did right now. Right. Yeah. So um, so that's actually what I'm talking about. Appropriation. Cultural appropriation. Not racial appropriation. Racial appropriation is not, not what we're talking about here. It's cultural. Okay. Um, started off one of the first things to uh, that was uh, consider appropriation. Let me just back it up a little bit here. Okay. okay. So it, this is actually a recent term. It's not something that hasn't been in the I'd say vocabulary of America. I'd say within the last five years.
1: Yeah, I gonna... agree. I mean, I think it's been in you know academic worlds for a while, but uh, to be thrown to be t- discussed on the internet and things like that. Yeah, definitely more recent.
2: Yeah. So, um, and essentially, like I said, one of the first uh, examples of cultural appropriation would be, um, blackface, blackface comedy. Um, right. These would be white actors that would put on a shoe bait, shoe polish on their face to represent uh, the African American community, and they would give themselves um, ridiculous proportions, like big fat red lips, big ears, um, be ignorant and stupid. Everything
1: uh, was exaggerated. Yeah, super to draw laughs. They were comedians. Yeah,
2: and 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 it was of its time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to remember, at the same time, we were running, uh, you know. Uh, segregation, Jim Crow laws, all the other fun stuff and even slavery at certain times, you know, right. so certain areas. Uh so it's one of those things where uh we we know that's wrong now. And now there's different degrees of cultural appropriation that it's starting to get get in the spotlight of things cuz that nowadays i mean even the last i would say 10 years maybe 10 to 15 years blackface is not acceptable for any any right, yeah. there's always every year some movie star decides to go to a halloween party and they either wear a lot of skin color like uh, heavily um heavily tanned or they legitimately wear blackface right and and then everybody goes what the hell you know why are you doing this right like what that what the hell like if i if if i had a halloween party and someone showed up in blackface i'd be like you know what I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz it's just a, it's a little much. And and you know famous celebrities like uh Julianne Huff has been responsible for it. Um there was I would say a lot of white actresses are, are kind of famous for doing, you know, the uh for Halloween the uh, the the cultural black face or brown face. Mm-hmm. Um another sign of appropriation ever since the recent up, um recent black life matters ladders movement you know pretty much it being in the spotlight i'd say last couple years um is people having dreadlocks right that's a big one like white people having dreadlocks especially yeah uh it's it's kind of one of those things where there would be a certain fray of the community that would think that it is wrong for somebody to um somebody that is white or any other ethnicity to have dreadlocks because it is representative of the um jamaican population and and uh Like the gonjer, you know, smokers and everything like that. Right.
1: And that's the thing. I'm going to... I'll be the first to say that I am aware of cultural appropriation, um, but I am by no means an expert. It is so confusing to me what is appropriation and what isn't. And that's fine. It's not that things can't be confusing to me. I don't... I don't have a culture that is being appropriated, so... I'm more than willing to learn. It's just there there's
2: it's a it's a fine. Line. There's
1: a, a fine line between a, appreciation and appropriation yes. and the line
2: is ever shifting. And, and it is. It's a fluid line. I mean, yeah. when it came down to it and, and it has to do with the sign of the times, too. Um, Like recently I was on Spotify. It's the music service that we subscribe to. And um, I was listening to Eminem and I was like listening to Eminem and i am rocking out it's really good good playlist i'm listening to and then all of a sudden 3 a.m started playing and if you aren't familiar with that song it's very um caribbean based right. I, I would say uh and when i listen to that i'm like i don't think he would do that today i, don't, I really don't think he would do anything that has a, a reggae downbeat and try to go uh like how i was talking earlier like you know like like right. the, the the uh Like it's flowy and And it's, it sounds like he, I know, understand it's a style, it's a musical style, but at the same time, it's a culture too. And so when you have somebody that's not part of that culture and do that, it, it doesn't work. Right. You know, but this conversation
1: came up because you were talking to me about that Eminem song and it's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. that seems like cultural appropriation. I don't know much about cultural appropriation, but this seems like it. Yeah. But then we were listening to a Beyonce song that has a Caribbean beat in it that she does a little bit of a take on a Jamaican accent.
2: And if you're not familiar with the song, the song is Hold Up um, on the Lemonade album, the brand, right. new, the brand new album. And
1: I was like, is that cultural appropriation? And you, you were saying no, because she's African-American. Mm-hmm. She's black. Yeah. So, but my, I was saying, but she's not Jamaican.
2: No, she, she's
0: not.
1: Yeah. Right. And so when people of color imitate other cultures, is that cultural appropriation or when, uh, Keenan on what's his name on SNL? SNL, He's a black guy, Mm -hmm. but he plays big poppy. His main character, like one of the best characters he plays is big poppy, who is a Cuban. Yeah. And so he talks about, you know, he does it in a Spanish accent and, and, you know talks about eating all the mafungo, um and you know having a big party and and everything like that and it's it, like it says, it
2: says in like uh, yeah because he's dominican that's it just to be a courage, correction He's you, dominican. dominican and so um if you're not familiar with the culture the caribbean culture down there it's a uh, it's very much like that it's like very boisterous very out there very welcoming and then he's a big guy so he's making fun of the foods of the region, like right. Mofongo. That's right. always a big one that he talks about. And more. so he
1: comes on the show, he's like, hey, call him Yost. and In the accent. Uh, right. And he called, Colin Jost is the guy. And he's like, call him Jost. And, but he's a black guy. Keenan is a black guy. Yeah.
2: And so is that culture? I mean. And technically David Ortiz is Hispanic. That I mean, that's, if you really want to go down to it, he may be black and black skinned, but he is a Hispanic character.
1: Right. And, and Keenan isn't Hispanic. No. So that's where, it, it's pretty easy to see, I guess it's not even easy to see when white people are called cult, do cultural appropriation like the because there's a, thing. I
2: mean that, that right. I mean, think about it. it. One of the most popular musicians out there is um, Jonathan Davis, right? white guy, or yeah. maybe even Hispanic. I think he's a little bit, it's half and half. He's like a half Hispanic, half white. And he has dreadlocks. He's had dreadlocks forever. Who else has dreadlocks? Rob, Rob zombie. zombie. Everybody in court has dreadlocks. Right. Half of the band of, uh, of in this moment has dreadlocks. Right. And, and it's, while it is part of that culture, it is also a part of pop culture, a popular, obviously popular domain. Right. You know?
1: But people have talked about it this year because, you know, Miley Cyrus came out and she had dreadlocks, right? And she had dreadlocks
2: and she started doing twerking. That was another thing too. Right.
1: And so when we, so everyone started out, every, you know, the black community said, you know, that's appropriation. And so people said, what, what makes cultural appropriation,
2: right? Yeah. Appropri- like you were saying, appreciation versus appropriation. Right.
1: And the definition they came out with was, when something is taken, when something is viewed in our community as being bad, but then when it's taken on by a white person, it's looked at as interesting. That is appropriation, right? So that's rather really interesting. Yeah. So, like the term squad, right? So, people like two chains and, you know, they've used the term squad forever. Like, yeah. those are my boys. Or crunk. Right but then Taylor Swift starts using squad and suddenly it's hashtag squad goals and everything like that. And it's fine, but
2: you're, you're I guess it, it appropriation and appreciation are, are, are in the same, are in the same road. I think they're going opposite directions though. Um, It can be viewed as appreciation by the culture that's a set that's willing to use it. But the thing is it, it's almost gentrified in a way right you know because i mean that's i think that that would be the the uh the layman's term of appropriation is that you're taking something that's somebody else's culture and you're trying to put it in a way that it's accepting to everybody within your culture
1: right yeah so, that's true
2: i mean because squad no one yells no one yells squad or anything like that like you know two chains and everybody says right they go oh squad goals or you know stuff like that
1: right for sure and the whole twerking thing it was like black women twerk in clubs and it's slutty, music and slutty and it's exotic and it's whatever. Miley Cyrus does it and suddenly, you know, they you, you can have your seven or eight-year-old little girl twerking and it's kind of funny because... I know it's not something that you... Lil is twerking again. Right. So I do understand. The one that the example I saw was Zendaya. Oh, yes. She wore dreadlocks and people kind of said, you know, she probably, she must smell like patchouli and she must smell like weed. And these are white people saying this on TV. On TV. And then a few months later, Miley Cyrus wears dreadlocks and it's like, oh, how edgy and fun is she? Yeah. And it's like, okay. Hypocritical, obviously. That's a, that's a clear example of appropriation where... If someone in their community does it, it's looked at by the mainstream as bad. And then if it's taken on by a white person, it's good. It's Elvis, right?
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, Elvis is the epitome of cultural appropriation. He took black music. You
2: shut your mouth. I'm just joking. Well, it's true, (laughs) right?
1: He took black music that white people couldn't listen to because it was being sung by black people. Mm -hmm. And he wrapped it up in a nice white man. Sing basically the same music. Same lyrics. Same lyrics. And Different drawl became crazy popular. hmm Because it was accepting. It was accepting to people.
2: Yeah. but Yeah, so.
1: Cornrows are another example.
2: Cornrows are big, yeah. Cornrows and braids are a big one, too, as well. I mean, you see, like, Miley Cyrus or braids. and uh, People wearing daishikis. That's a big one, too. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with daishikis. Those are highly colorful garbs. Um, we've talked about one before. Rachel Dolezal. Is like a queen of appropriation.
1: Yeah, yeah, she she is the she is the epitome.
2: If somebody had to make a a a, a, a memorial of appropriation, it'd be Rachel Dolezal. Right, and I'm pretty sure you're maybe wondering now who's Rachel Dolezal. Uh, she would be that uh the uh, white individual that worked for NAACP uh, chapter up in like San Francisco, I think it was. So yeah, and she tried to pass herself off as black when she was nowhere
1: right. near me. The newest thing that I've heard of, you know, not only it's not only black culture that can get appropriated. Most recently, Indian, a lot of people are saying Indian culture specifically the Hindi
2: with is. the dot the, the not to be insensitive, I don't know the name of the term of I'll, I'll but it's going it. to be the uh, the the uh the where the females have the dot on their bindi, board. the bindi. Is that the name of
1: the bindi? Yeah. And so there's been a hashtag called reclaim the bindi where Indian women are saying this isn't a fashion thing for Katy Perry to rock on yeah. her 10 day trip to India. This is ours. Also, um,
2: henna tattoos on hands. That, that's an interesting one. Cause I mean, you could go to a freaking carnival and get a henna tattoo, any like free thought movement, express or any like granola chomping thing is, is you can get a henna tattoo at it. They're like, right. But th- these are things that are super important to cultures, Indian culture.
1: Mm-hmm. And so the fact that, you know, a white woman, and her eight bridesmaids going to get henna tattoos, <laughs> All matching henna tattoos before the wedding. But then it's like, at what line, at what line is this? That seems to me on the outside, like total appreciation, right? That you think the women that do that are beautiful mm-hmm. and you are trying to emulate something that's beautiful in yourself. Yes. So the line, there is no line for me. It is overlapping. It is blurry. It is. I don't, I, it's impossible to tell. Right. Yeah. I, I and mean, just like it, a lot of things in today's world, it's impossible to tell when you're gonna piss someone off, right? I mean and it's not that it's it's, it's, it's that sounds like I'm trying to say that it's not important. It is important. It's just
2: it's just difficult. It's a difficult it, it's a difficult, you know, road to travel. Okay. Right. I'm gonna use another analogy having to do with roads here. Okay. It's it's true though. It's it's really difficult to find out who you're gonna who you're gonna, you know, offend. And I think it may have to do with your intentions in a way. Because obviously if you're trying to because blackface was obviously negative right. it, it, it was a negative connotation of, of you know of black people and it comes down to your intentions on what you're trying to do now if you're just trying to ride the wave like i would say miley cyrus was doing because twerking was a big thing that was happening then i mean if you look at you know anaconda and everything coming out at that time she was yeah. just riding that wave you know so yeah not saying it's right, but, you know, if you choose to be, if, if you are offended by it, then you can make your stance and say why well, you're offended by it.
1: But, right. Yeah, the thing that I said, it was um, a, a black author, and she said that, you know, the we need to ask three questions to try and figure out where the line is, right? Okay. And it is, is the cultural element that is being used exclusive to my own culture? So she was talking about, you know, a lot of people we pissed off at Beyonce for painting lines on her face in one of the videos for her. Um, yeah. And for lemonade for the lemonade, visual album. Right. Yeah. Because that is a traditionally Indian practice. But then this actress is saying, you know, or this author was saying, you know, that has been used in multiple, in cultures. multiple cultures. And yeah. so you can't really get frustrated at someone for using something that is also part of their culture. Right? Yeah. So, which you can from,
2: see African tribes portraying right. themselves that way.
1: So is the cultural element that is being used exclusive to my own culture? Is the institution using this element a truly problematic one that is harmful to my culture?
2: So this would be your white supremacists.
1: And based on the answers from one and two, is this appropriation or appreciation? So basically decide that if it really does belong to you and if it does belong to you and someone else is using it, is it hurting your culture? Yeah. And then try and figure it out.
2: You know, I almost forgot about one thing about this. What's that? That um I know we were talking about like a lot of cult different cultures here, but the reason why this came up as a uh, as a pretty big thing was I read an article on Facebook that happened to come across my feed on how the cuz I'm a big passionate follower of the Mexican holiday Dia de los Muertos. Mm-hmm. I it, it, ever since we moved down here to Texas, it it kind of it's one of those holidays where it kind of connects me with my family from, from far, far away. So you know, it's a, a holiday where you kind of where you memorialize the dead and celebrate their life, and so you give them offerings and make a little display for them and so on and so forth. And I I think I might made a podcast about that, or if we maybe you already made one, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, but I was reading an article that was discussing if Dia de los Muertos is appropriation, at least the celebration of Dia de los Muertos in America, because it is a serious holiday in Mexico. It's mm-hmm. you know it's it's really it's people you know celebrate it. They do parades. and They do a lot of the similar stuff that they do here in Texas. But another aspect of it, it gives people the liberty to dress Mexican. This is going to be your sombreros, your uh, your uh, ponchos, and stuff like that. And and gives them liberty to drink in mm-hmm. copious amounts, just like Cinco de Mayo. Right. And so there's a line here. And as, as you mentioned, it's a gray line on what can be considered appropriation and appreciation. Because right. if you're going to go to your festivities and just get toe up and drink and dress it wear a sugar skull face and I and say I ay, ay, ay. Ay, 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 while shooting your fake pistols in the air. That is not appreciation. Right. That would be the the gross standard of appropriation. Um, But there's another vein to this is that the people who do celebrate it seriously want to see other people celebrate it. And it should be, this is one of the con- the conversations that we didn't have about this is that there should be, there are probably people in their culture that appreciate people bringing that to light,
1: right?
2: You know, cause I think a Dia de los Muertos is a very important holiday. I think it's one of those holidays that I can't think about missing. It's like a Thanksgiving to me. It's, you know, it, it holds a place in my heart. And so when I see somebody wanting to partake in this and make their own little like altars and celebrate the life of the people who passed on in their lives, it makes me feel happy. I don't feel it as a holiday to drink. I mean, as, as that's all you're going to do, like Cinco de Mayo, cause it's not a Cinco de Mayo holiday. It's a memorial holiday. Right. So I think if you're willing to celebrate and partake, You're you're great, but if you're willing to just get drunk and that's it, then you're kind of appropriating it.
1: Okay, makes sense. Yeah, so
2: that's my line is eternally fuzzy. It is, yeah, it's it's warm fuzzies. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, now we're up for our world famous learning corner. I keep saying that. Love saying it. Oh, well, Mrs. Lacey, you have the Learning Corner this week. I do. What are we talking about today?
1: We're talking about... Or what are we
2: going to drop some knowledge about, I guess, today? Yeah,
1: we're going to drop some knowledge on... Uh, Appropriations. <laughs> we already did that. I know, I'm just joking with <laughs> Uh Do ruthless people really get ahead more than nice people? Ruthless people. Ruthless. Ruthless. Yeah.
2: Not ruthless. R O F L E S.
1: <laughs> so we... Those I mean, holes. it's kind of understood that, you know... It, it, to get to the top, you kind of have to step on a few. Skulls. To bake a cake,
2: you have to crack some eggs. Right, exactly. although that's my favorite one.
1: And so you think in pop culture, it's like the Gordon Geckos
2: of the world, the chick from uh, Devil Wears Prada, the 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 uh, Donald Trumps. Yeah, the the assholes, right?
1: Yeah, so and uh, it's because so right, oh, that's one thing.
2: Uh, I'll have to mention it later. <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> The one thing we did also, another movie we watched, uh, Lacey's Never Seen Before, uh, was a Mel Brooks film by the name of Spaceballs. <laughs> right. So when she said assholes, it kind of reminded me of that. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> right. What'd you think about it, though? Uh,
1: it was... Stupid. Nerdy. Nerdy.
2: Yeah. It was super nerdy. There was a lot of geeks in attendance. A lot that. of geeks. A lot. And
1: I know, you know how I know a room full of geeks? The smell? The quoting. Oh. The out loud quoting. That's when I know I've reached um, peak geek level is when the people all around me can't help themselves but to quote along
2: and you know, not just quote along quote before and quote after and quote and quote after. when somebody else is talking to them and quote
1: and the thing is they know they shouldn't but,
2: but they just can. can't it's like, it's like quoting Tourette's it really is it's like quoting Tourette's uh, I wasn't one of those people I no, did, I did a couple
1: don't. you did yeah anyway ludicrous speed <laughs> So, oh, um back to the ruthless. Yeah, sorry about
2: that.
1: Assholes. Right. So, it's been, you know, I've always kind of thought, yeah, they're the people that are willing to take credit for other people's work, of course, step on the backs of other people mm-hmm. and kind of levitate themselves as their boss. Would
2: you consider yourself a ruthless person? At least in a professional setting? Re- I think I think you're no I yeah. think you're no nonsense. Yeah. That's a big thing. Yeah, yeah, I would never not, take credit for someone else's work. Why would you do that? I mean, honestly, as, honest, as a good person, as a person that you want to be, why would you do that? Honestly, take other people's credit.
1: Because it will get you ahead. Right? Yeah. And so that's the point of this. Do ruthless people get ahead faster than okay. nice people, right? Tell me. So the, um, the BBC took this and ran with it. And they broke um, ruthlessness into three different categories. Machiavellianism which is when people uh manipulate like cynic
2: these should be like your uh your Mr. Burns's right
1: yeah kind of yeah uh
2: narcissism these should be your Ric Flair's and psychopathy and these would be your killers pretty much
1: right a combination of risky impulsivity and callousness okay so they broke it down to three things and they wanted to see how far people got ahead which each each of those three traits, right? So what they found was people that are have the psychopathy that they're risky and they're callous. Okay. They will burn fast, meaning they will get ahead in their careers very quickly, but then they're forced to leave their careers very quickly. Damn. Because they're risky, right? And so usually risky behavior pays off quickly, but then it tanks at some point who would that be What's a good example of that I would say um yeah most hedge fund managers (laughs) people that um yeah I mean people that take big risks and are will are have a certain amount of callous knowing that this decision could put you know millions of homeowners at risk Ah, and still doing it anyway and being rewarded for it in the short term your your career goes through the roof
2: and you have so much money. And yeah. you have
1: so much money, but then your risks aren't always going to pay off. And no. when they don't, everything falls rather quickly, right? Mm-hmm. So that, being that strain of ruthless does not pay off yeah, over time. The next one is Machiavellianism. And it's pretty well understood that if you are great at manipulating people, you're going to get ahead, right? Yeah. And they found that these people on the, kind of universally were marginally ahead of peers that weren't considered ruthless you're talking about like right? a,
2: like an iq level or like a
1: no produ- just production level? like a um, career path oh okay right so th- because they were able to manipulate their way into certain situations mm-hmm. however it was also discovered that they're not super successful because people eventually figure out that they're being manipulated and then resent them and kind of stick them into certain positions.
2: And then they get stuck there. And
1: then they get stuck there. And they can't manipulate their way out because they manipulated their way in. right? <laughs> so they found that the most successful ruthless trait is to be narcissistic. And like I said, you Flair's. When point. we say most successful, we mean um, richest. Narcissistic people make the Donald most Trump. money. Donald Trump. And the reason this is, is because it... If when someone is constantly talking about themselves, it is easy to buy into that,
2: right? Yeah, it's like selling a cult pretty much. Right.
1: So it, it does pay to be ruthless. Mm-hmm. Ruthless people do get ahead, but only certain traits of ruthlessness get ahead. But over the long run, they find that uh, being kind and working hard actually, is the best. Is actually the best,
2: yes. You're your Warren Buffett's. Yeah. Oh. You're Bill Gates. And Steve Jobs Steve Jobson last, because he was ruthless. And he got ass cancer. <laughs> 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 we like to broach sensitivity here at the Mr. <laughs> podcast. I'm ruthless. I'm ruthless. <laughs> ruthless. roof <R-O-O-F-less. laughs> Well, anything else that's all I think that's around. a really good learning corner thanks
1: I've always wondered because I'm I do feel kind of ruthless you know people will talk to me about their concerns off office gossip and I kind of just like am oh yeah I mean I don't know who you are so I don't really care I don't and so but I mean I would never take credit for other people's work yeah. I would never talk I mean I do I do pump myself up but I mean I'm my own best. I mean, yeah, you're, on, you're, on, you're your own champion pretty right. much. Yeah, I mean, I can't expect my boss to notice me if I don't notice me, so. Of course.
2: And um, I'm definitely not a good manipulator. And you're not narcissistic. You don't talk about yourself at all. Like, yeah, that so way. I mean, sure. you th- like I you said, you do uh, elevate yourself in a certain way, but you do sell yourself. I guess that'd be the right yeah, way for totally. it. Yeah, um, totally. But yeah, you're definitely not narcissistic or psychopathic. Well, thanks. I
1: appreciate that. Yeah, That's why I married you. Two out of three ain't bad? Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> <laughs> You're ruthless. You are not a psychopath.
2: Let's get hitched. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, you can reach us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com forward slash Mr. and Mrs. Podcast. Go to our website, www.mrandmrspodcast.com. you also find us on uh, Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes. Just search Mr. and Mrs. Podcast. You'll be able to find us quite easily.
1: Wherever you want. We're there.
2: Wherever, yeah. We'll always be watching you. Always.
1: And if you think about it, go to iTunes and give us a rating.
2: Or even go to Stitcher and give us a rating. Go on Facebook and give us a rating. Go anywhere and give us a rating. Do we exist to you? Let us know. Do you like to hear Mrs. Lacey's voice? Let us know. Let us know. On behalf of the Mr. And Mrs. Podcast, I'm Mr. Max. I'm Mrs. Lacey. And we love you. Peace out, bitches. We're not done recording yet. Quit your coughing.
1: I specifically like waited and waited, and <laughs> waited and waited and waited and
2: waited and you waited. Know. Gotta stop smoking those camels. Oh, God.